0: Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley.
1: Well, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forbes Factor, one of my favorite hours of the week. For those of you who care to go where is forbes riley right now she is in fact at home i love being at home Um, and i am just right now reaching out to all of my friends on facebook because we do this live so if you're on my facebook fan page uh, and i'm also just typing this right now i can only type and talk at the same time they say girls can multitask i don't know if that's true uh so i'm going to reach out to everybody i've got 1.8 million fans on my facebook page Hi, my guys, and I'm excited to bring you some fun news for you to mark your calendar that we are, in fact, I want to make sure that we record this as well, and what we're doing right now is you guys know how much I love the word pitch. I'm obsessed with the word pitch, and that's pitch with a P, not which, that was last week in Halloween, and not B as in beautiful, but pitching, communicating your ideas to other people, and every weekend, every Sunday since the pandemic started, I have been going live on Zoom I've had over 14,000 students. Yo, yo, All right. Hello. And we've decided to throw a party. On December 2nd, we are throwing the world's largest Pitch Perfect party. And I'm giving away thousands of dollars of, of goodies and prizes. And then we've got some very special guests attending, all in the search of the perfect Pitch. Now, I know this is time-sensitive, but I also know that our show lives on forever, so if you've missed that, simply go to ForbesRiley.com at any point and check in to see what I'm up to, what I'm doing, and how you can participate. You know, guys, I've spent a lot of my time in life looking at the brass ring and seeing other people grab it. I used to be obsessed with Cosmo Magazine and, and People Magazine, and I'd love to read successful stories, and I think I wondered for many years, how do I get to be them? Well, I've unlocked the secret. You know how you get to be them? Couple of things. Number one, you get very clear with yourself. Who are you in this world? What are you doing here? What do you want? What do you want? And it's a crazy concept. A lot of you don't dream big enough. And then once you've decided what you want, you gotta go back and go, what's keeping me from getting that? Is it my belief? Is it but statements like I am? I was on a stage in Vegas the other day, and I was doing some of my my magical transformational work. Bring up a woman, and the first, I've never met her before. The audience doesn't know who she is, and she's like, I'm an introvert, and I'm really shy. And I looked at her, and I almost wanted to say, that's so bad for you. Go sit down. Because if you feel the need to air your dirty laundry out to the world, she could have said, hi, Forbes, I'm the most amazing person ever, so happy to be here. I would have believed her just the same. But she felt compelled to bring her luggage on to the stage with her, as I'm sure she brings to life, to business, to relationships. Uh oh. Do you do that too? You know, I I hear people say all the time, you know, do you really don't want to fake it till you make it? Okay. Well, then how do you make it? I think build the illusion to achieve the dream, create and craft the world that you want to be in, how you want people to view you, what clothes do you want to wear? What, what language do you want to speak? As opposed to just taking the baggage and the leftovers from your upbringing. See, who I am today is not who I was, not even who I was yesterday, but certainly not who I was when I was growing up. And for you to want to be more, just want to be. Want to be everything that you are in life. Because here's the funny thing that's happened. I got to meet some of my idols. Some of them are extraordinary. Some of them are big bag of liars. Oh, I was shocked that the people that I held in the highest esteem weren't all that. I've been in some of their homes, in their cars. I've done business deals with people. And they weren't quite what I thought they were. So if they're not what I thought they were, can you be what you're not thinking you are? I was a little heady for that moment, a little esoteric. All right, I've got a very special guest on today's show who is going to push all of my buttons as I'm going to push his. We've known each other forever. Uh, Many of you know I come from the world of infomercials, which is kind of like saying I was around when there were dinosaurs on the planet. Yeah, something that doesn't exist anymore. To people under the age of 20, you have to describe what an infomercial is. Um, And what ironically it is, is the reason that people are making billions on the internet because they have harnessed video sales letters. They can sell from a stage. They know webinars. We were the granddaddy of all of those, or the grandmama of all of those things. Being able to take a notion onto a television screen, wake you up in the middle of the night, I mean, think about this. If you're, if you're over 30, you, you remember this moment. You wake up, oh, in the middle of the night, oh, I should go pee. I should go to bed. Oh, oh, meet what's on television. And there's someone just talking and talking about why you need a, a pet rock. Why do you need a rock right now? And you're like, I don't need a rock. But, but yes, you do. See, this rock is marked. It's got a special word on it. And with this word, you can change the entire world. And I'm showing my video camera, My the word on my desk says, pray. And the next thing you know, the phones are ringing and they're printing money. And we're selling things like ShamWow, Jacqueline power juicers, spin gyms. Michael's got a whole list of things that we sold together from books to pills to to one that people do need in the middle of the night. And I'm going to make him blush and talk about that. But he's a very special man, a little bit of a dichotomy. I don't think he realizes how wonderful he is or how handsome he is or how successful he is. And I will tell you the story of the sauna suit in just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Alton. Oh
2: boy. (laughs) How are you, my friend? That was that was a great introduction. Yeah. You know what? I was like, she's not gonna make me blush. There's nothing that's gonna make me blush or... the sauna suit. There, yeah, you got me with the sauna suit there. <laughs> <I
1: don't> know. <laughs> you know, and it's a funny thing because I personally love saunas. I go around the world sitting in in mineral tubs from Croatia to to, to to I was just in Greece with a whole bunch of people. Um when I met first met Michael, or one of the ways I met you, I remember we were in Santa Monica, I think, and you mm-hmm. came out in a silver sauna suit, didn't you?
2: Well, it- no, actually, no, no. What happened was, it, is uh, we, uh, I was staying at the Fairmont Hotel uh, in Santa Monica, and I was telling you that I, I stay, I stayed in this one particular villa there. They had like a bunch of villas out back, and it was the only one that had a sauna in it. And uh, and you, and you, and you, then you told me that yeah, you like saunas, the whole thing. And you're like, let me see it. I want to see it. I've never seen the room. And so then I told you the whole story about, uh, you know, if, you, if you're watching right now, you can tell I'm kind of a big guy. I've always been a big guy. You know, I played college football and stuff. Um, not like your, you know, your man, uh, you're certainly not ripped like him. And uh, yeah, so what I would do, which is really unhealthy, and I'll just admit it, before we would go on camera, because this is what wrestlers do, I would wear a sauna suit for a couple of days before and literally drop like 20 pounds. <laughs> before we go on camera uh, and, but very unhealthy thing to do. I should just probably just lose the weight.
1: (laughs) But You know what, but it it certainly inspired me and it made you very human. You are incredibly successful. You're a little bit of an anomaly in the infomercial industry. Uh, You started out as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody, what were you thinking when you would start on your career path? What did you want to be?
2: You know, I remember I was sitting in Boston Common and uh, I I was finishing up the book of Civil Action and I was, you know, uh, getting ready to actually go into law school. And, you know, Jan Schlickman actually uh, lives in my hometown of Beverly, Massachusetts. By the way, I didn't even know that. And so I saw that movie and I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to I want to save the world. I want to I want to help people. I want to make a bunch of money doing it at the same time, you know? And uh my world just kind of changed pretty quickly when I was in law school and uh there was a call center in my hometown that was open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and a friend of mine was working there, and to be candid with you, she's wasn't really the best salesperson, but this is we're going back almost 20 years ago and she was making like, I don't know, 1500 bucks a week and and I was like, you're making 1500 bucks a week and you can barely speak And she's like, yeah, I'm like, I need to find out about this place, you know, because I was still poor uh, and I was in law school and I needed a job. And I found this place and it blew my mind. You know, having been in sales pretty much my whole life, even up until that point, I was a recruiter. I sold cars right out of college, which, by the way, was probably one of the greatest things I ever, ever did because I learned how to sell. And I got into this place and it was like, um, if you remember the movie, The Boiler Room, there were literally people on the ankle bracelet there, like actual criminals. Um, And they were making two, three thousand dollars a week. And i'm like I, i'm in law school i've been selling my whole life i've worked at big companies this is a joke i went in there by the way they told me they didn't have room for me because i think they were probably nervous that i was in fact in law school because maybe they were doing some sketchy shit. and oh sorry we're on the radio so so i uh I, I, they said they didn't have room for me so what i did was then i went to customer service and and i got a job in customer service and the guy in customer service he kept asking me all these um, criminal law questions, which I thought was really out- odd. He's asking me all these criminal law questions, you know? Ultimately, he hired me. I started out in customer service, and my first um, like week there in customer service, where people were making 10 bucks an hour, I was making 1500 bucks a week in customer service. They started listening to my phone calls. They thought I was sketchy. They thought I was doing weird stuff. I wasn't. And then one day, they needed somebody in sales. They went over to sales. I made $500 in my first hour, right? Calls are just ringing. I called up my customer service manager, who now, by the way, who works for me. I said, "You know what? I, I can't come back to customer service. Uh, this is just like shooting fish in a barrel." So that was like my indoctrination to infomercials. And by the way, that infomercial was uh, for a product called Coral Calcium with um, uh, the infamous Kevin Trudeau.
0: <laughs> right?
1: How? How? You know, we all grew up with Kevin. Fascinating to watch how his career happened. And for right. a period of time, no one's heard from him because he was uh, out of admission.
2: for ten years. <laughs>
1: yeah, well that's a whole nother story um, so you um so in so you you were answering the phone calls for this is that what sparked your interest in infomercials
2: yeah so then what happened was is I just saw I was fascinated right because before that I was a recruiter uh, for a, a, a public now publicly traded uh, firm. And so, you know, like it was a hustle, you know, where you, you're, you're making outbound calls, you're cold calling people who don't necessarily want to be talked to. And, you know, you're trying to sell them bodies, essentially trying to because, we, were, you know, we, we were a staffing agency. And there were a lot of people making a lot of money, but it was really, really difficult. And then when I ended up at this place, and because I had sold cars prior to that, and you know, you can't sell a car really, unless someone comes on the lot. And, yeah, we were making some phone calls here and there. But you're really kind of at the mercy of the traffic that comes into that dealership. And when i went into this place forbes it blew my mind the phones were ringing 24 hours a day seven days a week people were making so much money at this place um some of the sales agents would pay other sales agents to go home because it was only uh, they only had 70 seats in the call center agents were sleeping there overnight because they were making so much money and when i saw this as somebody who can sell and who understands sales I, it, yeah it kind of blew my mind like how are they doing this all the while? I'm in law school and I didn't realize it, but these guys were in some legal troubles. I just didn't, I didn't know it. And so fast forward, I became one of the sales managers over there. I became pretty much the top sales guy there. I was running teams that were doing a couple hundred thousand dollars a week uh, in revenue and then no one could figure it out. And we we're like, what is this guy doing? Ultimately, what happened was is I got hired as their lawyer. And the crazy part about it is the day, I'm the, when I say the day, the day I started, I walked into my boss's office, this isn't privilege, I've talked about it before, it's not a privilege about it. I walked in their office and the FTC had, had um, filed a motion to freeze assets and essentially shut the business down. And 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 so we were sued by the FTC, the FDA, the IRS came behind them and then it went criminal. And and so that went on for five years. But at the end of the day, my bosses, even though they were um, they were definitely into some, doing some stuff they probably shouldn't, there was nothing criminal that was involved. They were just young guys that started a business selling stuff on TV. We hear this story all the time. It just happens, you know? Um, and you make and a lot was, of money. And when you make that much money that fast, the government wants to know how you're doing it. Zero to 80 million, like their first year, it was pretty remarkable. So I saw that and I was like, wow, I was really interested. in and, and so for five years, I cleaned them up. We had other massive hits uh, during that time. And I just saw it. And I was really, really interested in the business side of it. Then here's the crazy thing. Like, how did you and I get connected, right? So what happened was, it's kind of a joke. We're we'll going to blush about this a little bit, um, is I used to pre-interview the guests because I knew the answers, right? Because I was the one that vetted everybody. Like when Dean Graziosi, we did Dean Graziosi's show, How to Be a Real Estate Millionaire. before, And Dean wasn't really doing much at that time, right? So and in order for me to really know who Dean was, I vetted him. But not only that, but when we sat down on camera live, well, I mean, with the cameras on, I interviewed him first. So- To warm them up. So we used to joke around, we'd call me the fluffer, if you know what that means in another industry, right? And so, but I got real, I got really good at it to the point where there was a couple of times where my boss was not available and it was like, all right, well, we think the lawyer is going to be the host of the show. And I had done that over and over and over again. And on top of that, I was the guy that edited the shows. So I edited hundreds of infomercials, and I just fell in love with it. And and I've always been a sales guy and I really liked it. Ultimately they went out of business. I started my company in 2008 and the rest is kind of history.
1: Wow. And wow. Can we go back for a second? What makes you such a great salesperson? And is that a skill people can learn?
2: It's funny. I was just talking about this like on clubhouse a little bit. Yeah. I'm relatable. Right. And I I just know I am because uh, I'm a real person, you know, and, and I, and I can talk to, and you can too, like, I could sit down and talk to billionaires or I could sit down and talk to a guy who's like homeless on the street and and be generally interested in in what they're doing and why they're there and whatever and whatever it is. So I think that's it. You know, you know, people have seen you on TV much more than they've seen me. But I think when they see me as a host on, on television, even when I would screw things up, I would keep them in on purpose and you know i i you know i'm pretty polished but at the same time i i I intentionally wasn't polished even like right now right i'm thinking about what i'm going to say we would keep that stuff in because normal people aren't polished they aren't perfect right and so i think that's what really has made me a pretty good salesperson and the one thing that i really learned early on when i sold cars I knew nothing about cars, but I'm not even a car guy to this day. I'm still not. I, I barely, I could barely change a tire. In fact, when I graduated college, I left college. My car broke down. I was with my 13 year old brother. It broke down. Now he's 12. I'm 21. Car breaks down. Pulls it on the side of the road. I don't know what to do. 12 year old gets out of the car. He goes, Hey, do you have an eraser? I said, yeah. Why? He goes, your radiator's leaking. We we'll just put a racer in there and put some water and we're good to go. I mean, that's how like inept I am with selling cars. But when I was selling cars, what I realized was what sold the car wasn't even necessarily the car. It was me, and and but even take it to the next to the next step. It was about the other, It was about the the, the person who walked to the door and what they were interested in. So I would have conversations with them about their life. We'd be driving a Lincoln Navigator because that's what I sold Lincoln's at the time. They were the hottest vehicle around. You know, $50, 60 thousand thousand dollar cars back then, and they were paying you know over sticker. We didn't talk about the car. Oh, just talk about your life, you know. And by the way, I met some really interesting people, uh, you know, at that time. So I think for me, I learned to build rapport really quick, and and not fake it. You had mentioned fake it. I was really interested in people and and what they did. And when you know, I had people in the other part and I didn't judge a book by its cover. Although when I talk about books, I think books are judged by their cover, and they probably should be. But when people walked into the dealership, I didn't care. I had farmers walk in, just covered in mud. You know, I had a, I had a young kid walk in um, and, you know, he looked like a, you know, hip, he was a hip hop guy and everybody was like, we're not talking to this kid. I'm like, I'll talk to him, you know, we'll come to find out he was connected to 50 cent and he paid cash for a Lincoln Navigator. Yeah. No one would, no one would want to talk to him because I don't know. He just didn't, he didn't fit the, the model or the mold. I learned again, never pre-qualify, right. And be generally interested in people and just build rapport with them because everything else from there uh it it becomes a lot easier because their guard gets broken now they actually like you and then when it's time to make the sale it's easy i you know what i you speak you're you're talking
1: to the the, speaking of the choir i'm talking to the pitch queen You are. And that is exactly what I wanted to hear. But you and I, we have done so well over the years. So I'm going to keep moving forward because I want people to not only understand you, but understand how to have a relationship with you because there's something that you're up to now that's fascinating. You went into the pill business or the feel better business on television. That's not Mm -hmm. usual, but you did really well, didn't you?
2: Yeah, the other interesting thing, like about me, right? So uh, I'm a big guy. uh, Like I said, college football. I've always been big, right? I mean, it just, just you know, good, good for me uh, as a football player, right? But I was always interested uh, in health and wellness. And I was always interested in what I could, you know, I used to read flex magazine. I think that still exists or muscle and fitness or some of these other muscle magazines. And I would read about these ingredients and what they could do for people, you know? Um, and look, steroids was a thing back then. And it still is today, but I grew up poor. So that wasn't even an option. I was also afraid of needles. so I wasn't going to do that, but I was always looking at like, what could I take to make me bigger, stronger, faster, and, and so when I, when I went into this company and they were selling supplements, it for me, it was just natural, right? I just understood, like I was taking Yohimbin at 14 before anyone knew what it was. In fact, I remember going into the local health food store and the woman said to me, you don't need Yohimbin. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I just read about it in Flex magazine. It says it's going to increase my testosterone. And she was looking at me like, mm, yeah, no, it's really for something else right you know it was really for for libido and and for uh you know for blood flow right um so when i uh got into this career uh selling supplements i just loved it i've always been into it but i'll tell you this It's a sketchy business selling supplements. There's a lot of charlatans out there. Most people have no idea what they're doing. They're banging your credit card still to this day. They're doing free trials. They're doing all this sketchy stuff. So to be honest with you, at this stage of my career, I don't really like it anymore because I'm treated like a criminal, despite the fact that I've generated hundreds of millions and made a bunch of people millionaires. I'm still treated poorly because... I don't know, because I'm selling something that, that uh, you know, like we said, pills, right? So we sell a product. You did one of the shows with us. We have a product for, it's for, for male sexual health. It's called Andrazine, uh, with my good friend and yours, John Abdo, who's passed. And, you know, the way we did it, we did it in a very clinical way. We weren't saying if you take this, you're going to, you know, double your size or anything weird like that. But it was a real clinical conversation. There's a reason why Viagra and Cialis are some of the biggest selling drugs in the history of the world. It's not because... Everybody just wants to just, you know, have more down there. It's because it's a problem for men and women. And, and you so saw the John, problem. Yeah, and so John Abdo had a problem. By the way, if you watch that infomercial, um, he tells his story, which is super genuine, about how he screwed up his endocrine system doing steroids which screws it screws with you know a uh, blood flow and everything else and he was looking for a solution so the reason why that show worked so well was because of what he did i mean talk about candor i mean the guy got on national tv like you was in the fitness hall of fame he trained olympians the guy was you know kind of famous you know especially within the infomercial was saturday Night live did parodies about him and he got on national television and talked about how it, it wasn't working for him until he found a solution so The reason why my shows have always worked. And I think the reason why a lot of your shows work is because of the authenticity. And also I'm not afraid to be vulnerable.
1: Yeah. That's why we're friends. I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of all that you've built and how you go about this. A lot of people in my industry, I don't want to talk to. Uh, you are the, one of the good guys. And so if you're listening to the show, I want you to acknowledge Mike. Um, and then what you've moved into is even more interesting because back then you decided to write a book. Uh, I decided to write a book. I wrote a couple of them that never made the desk. They made the desk drawer. They're still there because of whatever fear or not help or who knows what. Uh, I'm getting over that fear. I've now had about eight or nine books published. I've got a new one coming out soon called The ABCs of Pitching, but yours was one of the first books that I read in our industry going, oh, what was the first one called?
2: Ask More, Get More.
1: Yeah. And I thought, wow, congratulations for you. How did that come about?
2: So, you know, it's funny when, when we did Dean Graziosi's uh, book and Dean's just a master marketer and he's doing big things now with Tony Robbins and he's kind of like his right hand man. Right. Um, And so Dean's book uh, was how to be a real estate millionaire. And we sold supplements at the time. That was our thing. We sold supplements. We, and our our business model was continuity auto ships. Right. Um, we We explain what that means to people. So when people bought a supplement, how you really make money in the industry is people agree to receive it month after month, right? That's how you really make money in the supplement. By the way, uh, if you think about some of the biggest companies in the world, uh, I don't know, Netflix, um, you know, Amazon. Okay. Amazon, to, look, Amazon has an annual subscription, 99 bucks for prime. Okay. And just imagine what that looks like for them every single month. So, so this, the- how many members do you think they have? Yeah, a billion a billion yeah i don't know a i don't a hundred a hundred billion god I yeah mean, buy, I the numbers 100 are 100 the numbers are that. crazy and so that's what we did but dean his business model was completely different it was not it was nothing like we had seen before and so he sold the book right uh, how to be a real estate millionaire and it was a it was a good book it was a new york times bestseller and but in that book it was really kind of a a lead gen for him really that's what it was to get people into his ecosystem to ultimately sell them more stuff just to be i mean there's just no other way around it right and i was really intrigued with how he did it and the numbers by the way and the profitability was extraordinary compared to what we were doing even you know we were doing 60, 70 million a year, but the profit was was not, not that high. But Dean's campaign that we ultimately ran and we kind of owned it, right? We licensed it. It was the numbers were nuts. We were cash flowing two million a week and profiting a million a week. Um and so 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 that you know that ended. And then and then I, you know, my book is titled Ask More, Get More. Um, a lot of people started to ask me, Forbes, look, I grew up really tough, you know, that, you know, surrounded by crime, drugs, violence, and, you know, and people, someone told me that they're tired of hearing me tell the story, but my mom's HIV positive, not because she did drugs. My stepfather, who died of AIDS, was a heroin addict, infected her. My father was addicted to coke. Kid, I grew up in jail for life of murder. Another brother died of an overdose. You know, uh, it just it goes on and on and on about the, the, the people that are around me. And then people used to say to I me, mean, Mike, what makes you so different? <laughs> like, Hello. You know why? Because it's all the same. Like, what makes you so different? Well, really, it was it was how I thought and what people taught me. So as I started to write this down, I was like, well, I think I might have a book here. And then the title, Ask More, Get More, came about as I was sitting there actually with one of my sales guys, and we were just talking about my life and what I've done through my life. And I just, I just asked for more. But not only that, but I just asked more questions. And sometimes that would annoy people. So that book, right? So I took that book and I was like, I'm gonna follow the same model that worked for Dean. So we rolled out an infomercial for that book. And you've seen some of the other guys that did it as well, like um uh like Don the Prix, right? I think he had a book, and some of these other guys had put yeah, Morrison, Morrison did that really yeah, well. Anthony he Morrison did that after Dean. In fact, Dean found Anthony Morrison. So so I was like, I'm gonna do the same thing, and that's exactly what I did. And, uh, you know, and that book did really well. And then we sold, you know, we had all the major lists and sold that book all over the world. And that turned into a two book deal with Wiley and sons. And then it just goes on and on. And then from there, I just fell in love with the industry of books because as look, think about this for a second. I'm an infomercial guy selling this, is a, you know, I'll just did selling dick, pu- dick pills on TV, right. Late at, late at night and, 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 and people go on auto ship, right. So if you really think about me and, and you don't know me, I am like, you know, especially in the merchant processing world, I'm along the same lines as online gambling and porn, right? That's how they treat you, right? But, but that's not who I am and it's not who we were and who we are. And so I decided to write this book to also to let people know like who I am and also to be candid with you, legitimize who I am. Because if you saw me on an infomercial, by the way, that wasn't the only infomercial. We had an, another massive one that's still on TV today called Arthur I just needed to let people know who I really am. Right. And honestly, not, again, it was a, a vanity play for me. I wanted to, listen, you and I didn't know each other that well in the beginning. I knew who you were. You know, you're a legend in this space. And so that book, like you said, you read it and you're like, oh, I like this guy. Maybe we'll yeah. hang out. And so the book for me became a means to meet other people and to be uh to be connected with other people and and also just to be able to get into rooms that I wasn't necessarily allowed to be in <laughs>
1: Only totally get that. And if you are looking at my screen, if you're on Facebook, you guys see that book that Ask More, Get More, it's still available. Yes, Mr. Olkowski? Yeah, it's
2: still available. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's only two left that way. I'm going to go buy a new one because I don't have a most recent copy. And now that I'm really doing this, I need to go, hmm, let me think about this and really think about how you drive a lead magnet. I've watched you guys do it well, but now ABC's a pitching has got to crush it. Uh, we got one minute before my first break. Uh, like what's somebody, somebody's got an idea for a book or a product or a service, what's the one thing they should be thinking about?
2: I think the first thing you need to think about, especially for a book before you before you even put pen to paper or type on that keyboard, is you need to think about how are you gonna market it? Because I talk to authors every single day uh, and, 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 and I've learned these from my own mistakes. I talk to them every day and they write a book and, and they're literary geniuses, but right. they don't think about the marketing. And that's what you, That's how you and I think. You know, we And I just, always tell people, don't write the book that you wanna
1: write, write the book that they wanna read. What are they, what are you putting it out there for? So if you know your first book should probably not be the autobiographic because your mom wants to read that. But I gotta tell you, (laughs) everybody does have a book. And then when we come back, we're gonna talk about how you at any stage in your life and career can make some money getting it out there. Mike's got some phenomenal secrets. I'm excited that he's here to share this. It was very challenging to get him. So listen carefully and don't go away. Listen to the Forbes Factor. We'll be right back.
0: Now, back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey,
1: everybody. You know, one of the things and the reason I'm successful in life is that I'm courageous, I'm bold, I go for it. And at some point, it's my age, I don't really care. So, Mike's like, you remember that thing from onset what we did? I, mean, I can embarrass you. And I'm thinking, I don't remember all the details, Mike. So, go for it.
2: Really? He's got so, so, all right. So, but well, we need to, we need to like give some context, um, right, you know. So you were saying that you did a, a naked mastermind. First, tell people about that, and then I'll
1: talk yeah, So So For those of you who don't know, so uh, beginning of this year, I hold a mastermind. Now we've got about 12,000 people registered, about three or 400 show up every Wednesday. Uh, it is growing. It's exciting. But earlier that year, one of my clients showed up, and on a Zoom call, you know how we joke about not wearing pants? Well, she looked like she wasn't wearing a top, but all I could see were her shoulders. She's like, no, no, I have a tube top on. I thought, I thought you were naked. And then it hit me. We're going to do naked mastermind. The rule of the game is you cannot show up showing anything above your chest. So girls wore two tops and guys went without anything. Bradley was our special guest that night. Not only did his advice crush it, but I was physically a little uncomfortable because you don't normally see people without, even their shoulders. You're not seeing anything really important, but I was like, damn, we're all naked on this. It was a huge hit January this year. We're going to do it again.
2: This is a little more than that. Uh, so I was uh, you look. You've been an actress your whole life. Uh, I haven't. Uh, so you've been a model. This is we're we're in different worlds, right? And uh, it was one of the days we were on set. Actually, I think it was the day we didn't tell a story. We t- we mentioned the sauna suit thing. We, we'll tell that. Uh, I basically passed out on set. If you remember, and, I do. Uh, and, I do. And I was like. Uh, you know, you and I were co-hosting and I said, I said, to you, I said, you know, I, you can you go know, on did, yourself and finish. The I show. said, do you think you just do it yourself? And you're like, yeah, of course I can. Right. Uh, and so we were in the green room and I was laying on the couch and I think I had my eyes closed and I heard somebody in there and I, and I, and then I opened my eyes and you were topless and you looked at me and you go, what's the matter? You've never seen a pair of tits before.
1: <laughs> you know, I'll tell well, and I'll follow that up. One of the reasons that it's a good, that's a great, Part of the story. When I was 16 uh, years old, I was dancing on Broadway and they have union curtain pullers. That's their job, big, burly guys. And I had a 23 second costume change. You go out, you got to come back. You didn't have time to run to the dressing room, which was down the hall. You literally take things off, put it all back on, and go back out, right? I'm a dancer. This big guy is looking at me. I'm like, Excuse me, sir. Um, would you mind turning around? And he looked down at me. He's like, Not on your life, little lady. That's <laughs> why I got into this business. <laughs> like, whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah it's yeah. such a great story it was just so funny and i was like oh you know what yeah this is that's the you know the, people don't realize that the behind the scenes stuff same thing models like you said when they see when you see these run when you see kate moss or whomever like they're changing you know on the fly and it just it, it is what it is and so uh but it was really but you were changing pretty quick it just so happened that i opened my eyes and that you well, were you
1: know, that's yeah. a funny story too because i was thinking about this when i worked with grant cardone and elena and we were backstage at a huge audit a huge place we 10 ten thousand seats in the auditorium but When you're in the backstage it's like where the catering is it's where the loading trucks are and aside from your dressing room it's not very glamorous it's the moment before you go on doesn't look like what it is when you're in the audience and you see it and so i'm curious when when you get to that certain level does life seem different when you know what the backstage looks like
2: well first of all i want to be on more backstages, so we need to figure that part out um it's interesting, right? You know, I think you've done it way more than I have, but the few times that I've done it, uh, you know, I spoke on uh stage with Brad Lee and, and Dan Fleischman and a couple of other guys, and that was actually a bit of a more intimate setting, but there was another one where, um, uh, where I spoke and I, I remember, yeah, being backstage and I came out, I was, it was a Russ Whitney event. It was a wealth building event with Russ wow. Whitney. And yeah, and you, and you come out, you come out from behind stage. It's, the only way to describe it for people who have never done it, for me, it's almost like when you for the first time you walked into Fenway Park, and you walked up the stairs. If you've ever done that or any stadium, and you walk up the stairs, and then all of a sudden the whole the whole stadium just becomes, you know, in your in your sight. For me, that 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 that's it's almost like the same feeling. You get kind of a, you know, you just get a little nervous, maybe even though even though you're not the one who's playing baseball, but you are if you're going to be the one who's, who's speaking. Uh, it's just uh, almost a, 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 a an overwhelming feeling, but but in a good way.
1: Well, I'm going to up you on that because I remember when I sold Spin Gyms and we did it today special, we sold 64,000 of a product that I created out of the genius and my heart and my kitchen. And after that day, I tried to visualize what was 64,000 like, because it's a big number. I got a $1.2 million check for it. But I walked into a football arena one day and there were 80,000 seats there. And I thought, every one of those people has my product right now. And I can imagine when you talk about selling millions of things, do you ever realize how many people we have affected?
2: Yeah. It's interesting too, because when you sell supplements, right? Uh, I'm also a lawyer. We talked about this. And 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 when you, you know, you have to make sure that the claims that you're making are, you know, are substantiated. You have to do that for really for anything, but supplements, it's a little bit more heightened. And, you know, the testimonials that we would get from people were just outrageous, like just insane things. You're like, did you'd almost think you're like, you're being punked or it's the government trying to, look at, I don't know, try to get you in change my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try to change the life. And in, and, and so these people would say, look, I couldn't walk and I bought your product. Right. Or, uh, you know, or, or, or the other ones too, like go back to Dean. Right. So you see the stuff, you see these wealth building ones on TV and there's still a bunch of them on today. Right. And, you know, you see the testimonials back in the early nineties. Yeah. There was probably a lot of sketchy stuff and maybe those guys were fake. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. Some, some, some. But, um, when I, when I was doing it as a lawyer and I would talk to these people, like we did Armando Montalongo's infomercial, we, we did, we actually did one with Anthony uh, Morrison and, you know, his story is about how he was broke and he, you know, he wanted to help his family out. And and so you vet these guys and then you, and you think about, and then, you know, they have these testimonials and I've talked to the testimonials to the people that saw the infomercial that bought the book or bought the system and then became millionaires and and so when you think about that yeah it's pretty crazy like um there's a guy his name is jt fox he's not um you know i'm not a, actually be honest with you we're not i'm not besties i'm not even a big fan of his however um i met him on clubhouse and he's doing big things and good for him right But he tells a story about how he was literally down and out on a couch, broke his sister's couch, and he saw what? He saw Russ Whitney's infomercial about how to make money in real estate. And now JT Fox is doing pretty big things. Love him hate him. Again, I don't really know him that well. I just- You know, but it's the same thing-
1: reducing. I mean, you'd be surprised. I love the fact that the lawyers did come in. And one of the laws, just so you guys know, watching this is that testimonials need to be vetted. It needs to be real. If you see this on television, not necessarily on the Internet, but certainly on television, that's been vetted. And so when people come up to me, Forbes, I lost X amount of pounds or I feel better because of what you've done. Those are that's just a powerful statement and a, a nice progression that you and I have gotten to realize after the height of that industry. I want to shift gears, though, because a lot of my people watching, and there's a lot of people watching live and certainly on recordings and iTunes and Spotify, Pandora, all around the world, this is heard, and, of course, on Voice America itself. You are now in the book business. You decided and discovered the power of books. Your first one did good.
2: You wrote a second one, yes? I have that one as well. Yeah, I've written a, yeah, I've written a bunch, yeah. And so yeah. you've made named- so so what happened was is right, like I said earlier, you know, I wrote that book, you know, wanted to tell my story. Ultimately, again, I wanted to kind of follow the model of Dean Graciosi and see if I could do that. Um, we did some big stuff, but we didn't do it as big as Dean. It just is what it is, but we did some big stuff with it. But that what happened was with that book is um I remember where I was actually from there, I wanted to write more books. And uh, I had an idea. Actually, you'd appreciate this. This is the idea, right? So I didn't, first of all, I didn't have an idea to write a second book. I was in a spinning class. you like this spin, gym, right? You're right. Right. So, so I'm in a spinning class. And my girlfriend drags me there. I'm a big dude. I'm not really like into spinning whatever. Oh, actually I I, 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 I kind of liked it, but at the time I didn't, right? So I'm in the spinning class and um there's all these there's all these people in there. there there's um you know, the, to my right, there was a pregnant woman to the, in front of me there was a there was an old guy to my left, there was an old woman. and uh, the, the 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 instructor says, listen. Um, there. this is a 45 minute class. There's five minutes left in this class. She goes, I, uh, she goes, for these next five minutes, I want you to give me 5% more effort. She goes, if you give me 5% more effort, you're going to burn more calories. Your heart rate's going to increase. And then when you get off the bike, your metabolic rate's going to stay higher. You're going to continue to burn calories. And ultimately you're going to live a healthier, happier life. Then she said, anybody can do anything 5% more. And I was like, boom, it just clicked. I was like, that's it. Like, that's the book, you know? I jumped off the bike. I cleaned it off because I'm not a disgusting human being. Cleaned it off. And then I went to my car and I started writing it down. I'm like, what would it look like if we just did things 5% Five percent more. What would it look like if we read to our children five percent more? And in my in in my book, I interview uh, some an organization called Reach Out and Read, and there's research out there about not only not only reading to your children, but speaking to your children just a little bit more. And then it's like if you look at the difference between Michael Phelps and the guy that came in second, it's milliseconds sometimes. And when you look at golf, it's one stroke. Or you look at anything else. And then I started to say, well, man. What about every other aspect of life, right? And then I've started to research it. Is there anything else out there like it? And, um, you know, when did I, uh, here it is right here for those watching. Um, this is the book right here, 5% more. Um, you read know, that we've, started, we've sold this book all over the world. It's been translated in multiple languages. Here it is right here in Chinese, which is super cool to see, right? I'm assuming it says everything I wrote, um, <laughs> you know, and uh, translated again in multiple languages, Arabic, Japanese, Chinese. Uh, it's sold in India, but it's sold in India in English. Wow. And that book, um, I ended up with a two book deal, but let me just tell you where I was. I was actually at the Russ Whitney event. I was having breakfast with our mutual friend, Kevin Harrington and um, Wiley called me and early, it was early in the morning and I got on the phone with them, and they said, yeah, we want the book. We want the deal. But I also want to tell you about um how that deal happened because it's directly related to why I love books I wrote that first book ask more get more Russ Whitney again asked me to be at a mastermind which I know you put them on all the time asked me to be at a mastermind in New York City I didn't want to be there I don't like being sold stuff I had a feeling you know Russ is you know he's a, just a consummate sales guy I'm like I don't want to be sold to anything I went anyway and there were some big players there was only 25 people there I met a guy he says "You read the book Um, His name is Larry Benet. I think you know Larry. Larry Larry then reached out to me after and he said, hey, Mike, um, would you be interested? And by the way, it was it was at that um, point. It was at it was in what they call an advanced reader's copy. It wasn't in the market yet. He said, would you be interested in having Nolan Bush now look at your book and maybe endorse it? And I'm like, who's Nolan Bush now? He's like, Nolan Bush now is the founder of this company called Atari. He's the only person to ever hire Steve Jobs, but he's also the founder of a company called Chuck E. Cheese. Now, in my book, I told the story about how I forged my birth certificate to get a job at Chuck E. Cheese because I was poor. And by the time I left, when I was Eight, when I was 17, they thought I was 18. I was running the kitchen. So he read that book. He loved it. He endorsed it. I had him on my podcast. I, I, I don't, I'm not like besties. I can text him now you know, if, if I need to. Time Magazine uh, listed him as one of the top 25 tech entrepreneurs in history, right? So that all that being said, as a result of the success of that book, as a result of Larry Benet, and I give Larry credit for this all the time reading that book, I said to Larry, hey, do you know anybody at Wiley? Why did I pick Wiley? Well, I picked Wiley because Grant Cardone was also with Wiley and Grant and I, Grant had me on his show called Power Players with my first book, Ask More, Get More, because when you traveled all over the country, it was my book, Ryan Blair's book, who I know you know, Tony Robbins. It's going to be know. our guest next week. Yeah. And, and, and Grant Cardone. And that book, by the way, got me in front of all of them, except Tony. At some point, I probably will be with Tony. So that book got me to all of them. And then when I said to um, Larry, do you know anybody at Wiley and Sons? He says, not only do I know people at Wiley, but I know the guy at Wiley. So I didn't go through the normal process that everyone else had to go through. I went directly to the guy, his name is Matt Holt. I went to Matt. We had a conversation at that time. It was at breakfast with Kevin Harrington. He says, Mike, I want the deal. I want." Uh, he goes, not only do I want your book, but I, we, we need to do at least two. All of that would have never happened if I hadn't written my first book.
1: That's the mic drop, you guys. Uh, There's a book in all of us. There's reasons to write books. Uh, I've written a lot of them. I've also done chapter books. If you don't want to write an entire book, you can certainly be in a chapter book for a theme that you like, just to get your, your information out there. What is some, so now you've moved into the book arena. Let's move, keep moving forward. I love the story of what's come out of a book. And I have to sadly say, that I got squished by a manager who just, I'm not sure. I had a couple of books that I was writing. He said, don't, they're not quite on brand, blah, blah, blah. They're sitting in my desk. I have three books sitting in my desk right now that have names attached to them, like Kim Kardashian and Kris Jenner and Florence Henderson that I've not published because some guy a long time ago told me not to. I am now obviously coming through that And then the crazy thing, Mr. Mike, I don't know what it is. Maybe it just leads me back to you. But my beautiful book publisher for my One Habit series that we spent all last year doing became Amazon bestsellers, took 300 authors and lots of celebrities. He sadly passed away from COVID. So it's been an interesting, very tough journey. But of course, I always tell the stories of the journey. That's my life. None of this has ever been easy. So why would this be easy? But I'm telling you, we're about ready to explode between this book, my perfect pitch party, and the five and six books that are coming next because they're, most of them are written. How crazy is that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's typical, though. You're, it's cool that you got it out there. Maybe it's because you got disciplined from being a lawyer, from having to read and write and get those degrees. Uh, but you seem like a very uh, aggressive man, but not really. That's the funny thing about you. You mentioned being a big guy twice. A couple of, It's like, hmm. Now- Kid wise. You have kids. Yes, I do. Well, I have one that I'm aware of. Well, who? OK, I met that guy last night. I, one of my old friends, Quickle beside he is the real delivery man. He has 30 kids from his sperm and he's met most of them. And mm. I'm listening to the story thinking, dude, this is hysterical. I'm so mm. sorry there's already a movie about it.
2: Yeah, I did the whole backpacking in Europe thing. So who knows? But, you know.
1: Whatever I don't want to hear la 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 la. <laughs> well, I will do everyone from Lisa to Ebony and Becca T. who's a great fitness expert and a dear friend of mine, are listening and cheering us on. All right, let's get down to brass tacks here. You've decided to take the book thing one step further. Now you make best-selling authors. Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, so what happened was, is right. And so as a marketer, uh, I remember my first book, "Ask More, we'll Get More." I mean, I think during that time, you know, we were it definitely had the number one infomercial uh, called Arthur D. You know, we were probably doing sixty million a year um and uh you know i had a big ego i was on tv every day i remember i mean you know you you can relate to this too but i remember walking into a casino actually with my daughter and her family it was actually my wife's birthday right up I there on the looking, screen. i remember looking at the screens and i was on every single screen i, loved I, was it. Like, I pointed at it from like at the time my daughter i think she was like six she didn't care but i thought it was kind of cool you know um so so you know i had a pretty big ego and i was like look we're going to be a new york times bestseller it's just a matter of what number it's going to be number one or not right and i was i was heartbroken and i realized um well, well number one it didn't happen but i spent a lot of money like a ridiculous amount of money uh probably over about a million dollars for that book ask more get more i mean i did insane things with that book i wrapped the nascar with that book not once not twice but a dozen times and my first race was the daytona 500 um you know we crashed with danica patrick one race which was cool i remember being uh in uh, in the holler with the owner of the team and he says mike uh Good for you, bad for me. And I said, why is it good for me? And he goes, because it's going to be all over the news. Here's the interesting thing. We didn't sell a single book. Well, hold on. We did sell at least, I know we sold at least one book, because I had a one-star review from a guy who saw it at one one of the racetracks. So I did all these things. I sponsored a guy in the World Series of Poker, a friend of mine in the World Series of Poker. He ran deep. It actually made national news. Uh, He finished, I think, like 169th, which is pretty deep in a 6,000-person field. And I sponsored him. So everything all over him said, ask more, get more. But it didn't necessarily sell books. And so I was doing all this stuff. Right To try and get on the New York Times. When you went into every Hudson News in the country, like I mentioned earlier, all the books, I was bigger than all of those guys, and those guys were bigger than me. I just spent more money than they did, which was, again, the wrong thing to do. We had register wraps. It was in the windows. We had banners. We had what they call premium placement. It was everywhere, right? But again, I didn't get on the New York Times. That was my goal. So so my second book, 5% More, very similar scenario. And then with my third book, I mean, I've written more, but these are like the three big ones. All of them, I was chasing the New York Times in an effort to, again, to like let the world know that I'm no longer that kid from the projects and I'm not a guy who's just an infomercial guy selling thick pearls on TV. Like I'm a real business guy. I've done big things. You know, I've been putting thousands of people in, right? So, so what happened was, is I was on a podcast. I was on a show like yours. And uh, a woman reached out to me and I was basically telling this story and she says, look, I market books for people and, uh, you know, um, I only do Amazon, but this guy, he wants Wall Street Journal specifically. He's a finance guy. Do you think you can do it for him? And I'm like, well, uh, I mean, I've done it three times, four times for myself. Uh, Yeah, I think I can. You know, he was a self published author, by the way. Um, The book had been out a year. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a social media presence. He was an older guy, but he had a cool story and I liked him. So I said, as long as he understands that he's the first one, (laughs) um, let's do it. And we never look back. And now we've probably done, I don't know, just under, you know, just over like 150 books. Uh, we do them for publishers. We do them for individual authors. A lot of times uh, we, they are under NDA. So if you go to my website and you look, you, you're only going to probably see about 20 or so because of most of them doing for publishers. They're what we call white labeling them for people. And the reason why I love it so much is because I'm a marketer first and I'm an author second. And I think a lot of people who write books they're authors, and they don't understand that they have to be a marketer. Yeah. And so, if, if you're not, if you write your book, and you and you're not prepared to to really um, push it as hard as you possibly can, and put as much uh, you know firepower behind it, meaning resources, meaning money, ultimately, if you're not willing to do that, that's okay. But you also just need to understand that no one is going to read your book, no one is going to see your book. And when I say no one, I'm talking about your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, you know how hard it is or was to get my parents <laughs> to buy my book. You know, and, and I, by the way, I know to this day, they haven't finished the book. My father just goes to the index and looks for the word dad and see where I wrote about him. You know, and what I write about, you know, oh, my father was addicted to Coke. He's like, why? why would you see it? It's true. You know, I have a cousin who lives in Phoenix. She's a, she was at least, uh, she, she, I don't know if she, I don't think she still is, but she was a prostitute. I told the story in the book and I didn't say her name or any of that stuff. And then I asked her, I said, Hey, can you help me out with my other book? And she's like, um, sure. But I did read that section where you said that thing about me. I go, well, it's true. You know? And she's like, yeah, you know, it's true. So the reason why I'm doing all this stuff with the books is because there are a lot of people out there. You and I know this marketing is easy. Right, marketing is easy. Sales is the hard part, and getting people's attention is the hard part. And I'll give you one of the greatest examples of of why I'm great at what I do. Kevin Harrington, our friend, he's definitely an icon in the industry. He's done some big things in the world of direct response. Um, he's out there. He's all over the place. People pretty much know his name. He was, you know, original Shark on Shark Tank. He's a pretty good marketer. He's got a brand. People know who he is. He launched his last book. Uh called Mentor to Millions with a guy named Mark Tim, who is a pretty big guy on Amazon, does some big numbers, launches book. And Ke- again, Kevin Harrington knows everybody and he can pretty much leverage everybody. His publisher's Hay House launches the book and it doesn't do anything. Now, you would think with somebody like him, and he put money behind it too. It didn't do anything. He came to me two weeks later. We sold 14,000 copies in one week, and we got him on Wall Street Journal in USA Today. So a guy that is one of the you know top marketers in our space came to me to market his book. Why? Because marketing books is different than marketing anything else I've ever marketed before. We've and got, so when I realized we're great
1: at it. We got three minutes to close, Mr. Yeah. Michael. I got to tell you, you, just ignited
2: and excited everybody.
1: Kevin Harrington, by the way, is the forward to my new book. Uh, and I'm excited to see how big we can make this, Mr. ABC's of pitching, um, on the way to becoming just this icon in the in the book industry. Uh, I think you're amazing. What would you like to leave our audience with in the two minutes we've got left?
2: Oh, geez, I don't know. You know, if we're talking about books, you know, I would say this, you know, a lot of people, you said it earlier, and I'm just, and I'm, I'm going to disagree a little bit. I don't actually think everybody has a book in them. Uh, I think that, you know, I think some people might think that they have a book at a certain stage in, in their life. I think you have to do things. I think you have to live an interesting life. And I also think, and this is where people really stop I think you truly have to be willing to be authentic and candid and raw with people about your life. Because if you're not, then you're not that interesting, right? A lot of people have gone through a lot of stuff in their lives and they're unwilling to put it down for whatever reason. So if you want to resonate with people, th- then you have to be honest with yourself first. And then your story may become interesting. But if I- you want to take your, your brand to the next level, yeah, I think writing a book is one of the greatest things you can do.
1: I'm going to give you in the last one minute we've got left a quick, quick synopsis because let's just say you don't really want to spend all that time writing a book. Maybe you want to write an ebook. I'm going to ask you guys to go to GSD with Forbes. I have something there for you uh, where you can get your ebook written in about four hours, four days, or four weeks, however long you want to put in it. It's a start to what Michael's talking about. And I think you can see how successful he's been just because he got his ideas out there. So if you want to know more about that, which is the shorthand version, because me, I got a little bit of ADHD. I want to read a 10 page book and I'm done. Michael, if they want to find out about you, where do they go?
2: Sure. You know, you can just find me on social media. I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's at Mike Alden 2012. You can just go to mikealden.com uh, as well. And but again, if you want to, uh, you know, I respond to all my DMs. So it's at Mike Alden 2012, uh, and I'd love to talk to you. And if there's any way I can help, you know, your viewers and and uh, listeners, I would love to.
1: Well, I got to say everybody here on Facebook is chiming and I see them live. Thank you all for participating. Mike, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to be part of this. And I will tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing what we do next, because I think there's some big things in the marketplace that could use a sensibility like ours. With that, guys, you've been watching the Forbes Factor. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness. If you want to find Mike, reach out to him, Mike Alden, or find us both on Clubhouse. It seems to be a place where we spend a lot of time. All right, you guys, till next time, be well, be safe, and I'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody.